And welcome back to another Riscari cast. My name is Rod Van Blake off of the Angel Illumination series as well as Young Bonnie Chronicles. And today I am joined by concept artist Jocelyn Short. Yay! So for <laughs> folks that don't know us, a uh, guest uh, co-host today, thank you Jocelyn for hopping on at such short notice. Uh, tell the people what it is you do. I'm a concept artist for the entertainment industry, so I do um, designs like character designs, environment designs, world designs, world building, things like that for people's comics, for their books, for their video games, things like that, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I do concept design and I do illustration, so book covers, um, it just, you know, commissions, any kind of art you want. So that's what I'm about. That's what I'm out here doing. <laughs> Good to go. And uh, we'll be sure when I upload this uh, audio for this podcast to Anchor, I will have a link to uh, Jocelyn Short's website so you can check this stuff out and see if there's anything there you like. Uh, today, we are talking about Star Wars, uh, but from a different lens from what I've seen discussed on the subject. We are talking about the dope game in Star Wars, which drugs, yeah, drugs, yeah, the dope <laughs> game. They were, you know, Han Solo was moving away, um, contextually. Uh, so we we kind of discussed before we went live that you did not dive as deep into the Star Wars rabbit hole as I have. I'm, yes. I'm kind of insane with it. Um, I've you know, I've grown up with Star Wars, the original trilogy, and all the things um, after that, including the EU, which is now kind of defunct, the extended, expanded universe that was deemed legends and not canon when Disney took over and bought Star Wars. Um, mm -hmm. I had a friend of mine, uh, basically I, I put a Facebook post up uh, asking if there was interest in the subject, if I were to talk about it. So I was looking for all my Star Wars heads. And one of my friends, a former business associate, uh, messaged me and he was like, yeah, I read all the books. I read like 50. And I was like, homie, there's like over a couple hundred um, books. Star Wars books? Yes. Oh my God. Uh, the New Jedi <laughs> Order alone is like 22 books uh, by various authors. And that's, that's kind of what got me into being curious enough to see if I could write is I started, I was uh, in Japan. I was stationed out there when I was in the Marine Corps, my first duty station was in Okinawa. And it was just before Phantom Menace episode one was about to come out. And you know how they say the book is better than the movie. So I decided I was going to check out these books and my ignorant self thought there were only six books because they were doing episodes one, two, and three. And, you know, the original trilogy that was released were episodes four, five, and six. And then they were saying there were rumors that they were like possibly doing nine, you know, three more after that. So I was like, okay, cool. Should be no more than like nine books. And I went to the bookstore because we had 
actual bookstores back then we could walk into. Everybody wasn't on their Kindle and Nook and iPads reading. Uh, and there's a wall. The dude pointed me to the back. I'm like, there's a whole wall of books. I was like, yo, uh, what's up with all this? He's like, yeah, those are all the Star Wars novels. And here I am thinking they were just a handful of books. So I jumped into the rabbit hole and started reading book after book and just got totally engrossed. And I had ingested so much of that, consumed so much Star Wars that I was like, yo, I have read so many of these, I wonder if I could write one. So that's kind of how I got started on my writing journey. Very cool. Um, but if cool. You, you, you've seen episode four, New Hope, right? The yes. original Star Wars one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you knew about Han Solo in the first film where he owes Jabba the Hutt money. Yes. There's a reason why Jabba is after him and why he sent Greedo to most likely Cantina, who because there was a bounty on Han Solo's head. Right. Basically, what happened, um, Han Solo was an orphan, grew up in Corellia, and joined the Imperial Navy. They've changed his story somewhat throughout the years. Um, Initially, he joined the Imperial Navy and got kicked out of the Imperial Navy because he freed a slave, which was Chewbacca. That's how it originally happened. They changed it when they released the movie uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, I think in 2018 that came out with uh, was it Donald Glover, yeah. Childish Gambino, who, who yeah. plays young Lando Calrissian. Mm-hmm. And that you know, they changed it a bit where he just meets up with Chewie on one of the battlefields in like this underground prison for like deserters, they had threw him in there. Um, but basically he grows up an orphan, joins the academy, gets kicked out after his brush with, you know, feeling bad about how the Imperial Navy was treating the Wookiees and he ends up freeing uh, Chewie and that's why Chewie owes him a life debt. Well, now that he gets kicked out of the military, he's broke and trying to do these little odd jobs for money and eventually he ends up running spice for the huts and so you know job of the hut and they're they're basically crime families in the star Wars. they're like almost like the mob kind of gotcha and so he ends up running the spice stuff he gets an order to to go that's why he keeps um he's always bragging about the millennium falcon making the kessel run in a certain amount of parsecs Mm-hmm. So it's basically, I think it's, it's it's a weird argument over what a parsec is. It's, it's uh, either a speed or, you know, a distance, actually. And so, but basically he's running drugs. He goes there to pick up a shipment of spice mm-hmm. at this Kessel mining facility, which is a government-owned, the Empire owns this mining facility on Kessel, picks up the spice, and the government or the warden there basically snitches... <laughs> to a, a local Star Destroyer, letting them know that there's a ship here that has contraband, and then that he gets stopped. Basically, he gets you know pulled over by the cops in space, and they're gonna board his ship. So he, at the last minute, has to dump the spice so they don't find any contraband on his ship, mm-hmm. and then they'll let him get away. He's thinking he should be able to let the Empire go on their way. He'll circle back and pick up his shipment of spice, and then go to Tatooine and drop the spice off uh, for Jabba. Mm-hmm. Well, after dude snitched on him, they snatched the spice back. So he comes back to Tatooine empty handed. And now he owes basically drug money to Jabba for the missing spice. Gotcha. 
Gotcha, gotcha. I think there's two main types of spice. There's real spice, which is on the planet Ryloth. You know about the Twi'leks? You know the people you see dancing with the little tails on their heads? Yes. Those are the Twi'leks or Twi'leks, however you want to pronounce it, from the planet Ryloth. Um, there's a spice that's originated there, and then there's this spice from Kessel, but the spice from Kessel is more special to me. It can give people almost clairvoyant powers. They can have like telepathy. It gets, it gets you a feeling of euphoria. Um, is so it, I wonder, I mean, you know, you, you, you definitely know more than me. So please tell me, right? Just hearing that sounds like, like the drug is kind of meant to imitate the force, you know, um, in some ways, I think that it, it could be a power play. If you can take this stuff and it gives you kind of a mental edge, you can almost hear what people are thinking so they can't really lie to you. And it gives you a, a, like a one-up in any business decision you make. Um, so it's, but it is, you're right. It's more than just this stuff makes me feel good and takes the edge off. Uh, mm -hmm. Very different from homie selling death sticks in the uh, prequel trilogy or Obi-Wan gets offered, hey, would you like to buy some death sticks? And Obi-Wan's like, you don't want to sell me death, death sticks. You want to go back to your home and rethink your life and leave them alone. But he's, <laughs> essentially, he was trying to sell him drugs in the club in that scene. Mm -hmm. um, but this to me is interesting because it's a drug theme in a science fiction setting and it kind of moves a lot of the plot points along in the story as we know it. It's like an integral part of the story. Mm -hmm. It's the reason why Han Solo owes money. It's one of the reasons, in addition to the bounty being on his head, why he's wanted by multiple groups. Because I think he's wanted for being a deserter by the Empire. And he's wanted for owing money uh, to the huts, mm -hmm. right? And you said you've seen Empire Strikes Back? as well that's the fifth one right episode five yeah. yes that's the one where he gets i think at the end of that movie he gets frozen in carbonite because darth vader wants to use carbonite to trap luke his son but he tests it on han solo first mm -hmm. uh, but in that scene where he says no disintegrations to all the bounty hunters he wants han solo alive but he doesn't turn him into the empire mm -hmm. when they capture him mm -hmm. Um, you see all the bounty hunters on the Superstar Destroyer that Vader is on, and it's a collection of aliens. That's another thing that's kind of weird that that's not outwardly said in most of the big media, but in the books it kind of delve into it, that the fact that the Empire is more or less racist against non-human um, beings. All the aliens are never part of the Empire. If you look, they're always a part of the New Republic or the Rebels. Mm -hmm. All the aliens are. All the people that are in the Empire are humans with the exception of Grand Admiral Thrawn. I don't know if you're familiar with Thrawn. Mm -mm. He's got the blue skin, the red eyes. He's a Chiss. He's in the outer rims of space. He's from the outer rims, like the uncharted parts of space that the Empire hadn't reached yet. What's his name again? Grand Admiral Thrawn. D-H-A-W-N. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna so, be googling while you're talking, <laughs> so, okay. I can, so I can get context on things. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Han Solo was moving weight, and there's different organizations that were doing it. The Huts were involved, 
Um, there's also a book called uh, Shadow of the Empire, written by Steve Perry in 97. And that book basically, there's another rival, kind of a crime syndicate called The Black Sun, run by a failing uh, Prince Sizor. I don't know how you, I think it's Sizor. Uh, but he's like, he's trying to be a rival to Vader as like the number one man beneath the emperor at the time. But okay. it's like another crime syndicate. He deals more in information and uses the information to kind of manipulate things. And he's got, he's an interesting character because he's got these natural pheromones he can use to instill fear and stuff, you know, in those that are around him to come to close contact. But all this is going on. Um, Vader doesn't seem to care too much, like I said, about the, about the drug trade, about the spice running going on. Um, but yet, after they capture Han Solo, instead of turning him over to the Han over to the Empire, he turns him over to Jabba. So it kind of that that debt that drug debt took precedence over the bounty for the Empire. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah. Any any well, other thoughts on that? I mean, it you know it's it it's it definitely sounds like it, it mirrors kind of a real life situation where like the empire is like corrupt because it's being influenced by this dirty money that the mob is circulating throughout you know circulating from their drug trade that they're orchestrating um so i mean and maybe i don't have enough context on the empire so is is like what is the empire's relationship I mean, with it, well, okay, let me get my questions together. So is, all right, is the Empire, that's Darth Vader's territory? Like, is that like? Yeah, he's, he's, he's number two beneath Emperor Palpatine. He's, he's the, he's basically the hand that goes off and does things. One of them, actually, we find the, there are a bunch of Emperor's hands, but he's like the most prominent and the one that's at the forefront, the visible He's the visible hand that you see. Uh, the emperor had many hands that went off and did things uh, behind the scenes, but Vader's the the main one. Gotcha. So the empire is basically just like darkness in general. Yes, or is yeah. it the... I, I, the funny thing is in a lot of ways they're propagandists because they try to make things seem another way to the moths and other governmental figures when they were speaking to the people beneath them to make it seem like they were doing things that were good and everything was for the benefit of all and the reason they had such stringent control was that they were placing order throughout the galaxy so that chaos didn't reign and if they just let everybody do what they wanted to do then all hell would break loose but they were doing a lot of underhanded shady evil things and if you didn't listen like either Vader would come in or one of the emperor's hands would come in and and shut that down <laughs> with the quickness. I just think it is, like you said, it, people often complain about these things being in fictional stories. And I think that's nothing new though. Um, we were kind of talking about this too, that, you know, art imitates life. And though some people think it's the opposite. So I just never heard anybody talk about the drug trade. And recently they brought it back in uh, with the Disney series on Disney Plus with the book of Boba Fett, where we find out that 
Boba Fett didn't in fact die in the Sarlacc pit in Return of the Jedi. He lives and now he he comes back to basically take over Jabba's territory on Tatooine. And at the end of the last season, they introduced the Pike, which I think they already introduced that Kessel in that Star Wars, the solo story movie. But here we see them on Tatooine using these crazy, super fast trains that run through the desert to move spice. They're, they're trading spice once again on Tatooine. They're delivering. So that, you know, prior would have been something that Jabba's people would have done. That was his thing. Um, and then we do see, I think, Jabba's family try and come in and reclaim his territory later. Um, but Boba Fett just kind of ignores them. So I have, I have a question. So, okay. and it, this, I think it's just because I haven't seen enough or read enough, probably, I'm sure. But so what is the general kind of societal structure in in this world? Like how you know like is it like the empire exists aka the government and they're being funded by this mob drug money but like what is the is there a social hierarchy in this world like is it just like the empire the mob everybody else is in poverty and trading and just uh you know like vagabonds like or is it like a, a middle class a lower class the upper class like is you know how how do the people of this world function it's all of that. Um, I think when we're talking about the old trilogy from 77 to like the, the 90s where, where the original Star Wars film, the Empire was, was ruling everything and they had their, obviously the people that were within the Empire and the upper class that they let be in place were on top as the, the upper class and you had the middle class that were, they weren't necessarily poor or destitute, but they were making a modest living and then the lower ones like on the the, the capital planet of Curacao, they had an underworld at Curacao. that's where all the poor people like they basically built cities on top of cities till the point where the people in the lower runs didn't get to see natural sunlight um have you watched andor mm -mm. okay well that's like one of the latest series and they showed that where one of the characters his mom uh lived on Curacao. And he, they were in one of those places, she was in an, like basically an apartment complex that they were so far below the structures that the light was filtered through the upper crust of the city that was built on the planet surface. Um, so where he was before, he was kind of felt privileged because he would get direct sunlight where it's not just reflecting and reflecting down through the city to wherever it is to the point where it might even be just a um artificial sunlight basically filtered gotcha. into your room because there's not like you can just open the window and see it gotcha. um, and in the mandalorian it's kind of post empire where there are still remnants of it um but they're not the main power anymore they're, they're trying to make a comeback but they've been broken down since after return of the jedi when the new republic took over so in certain parts of space it's kind of a hodgepodge like gotcha. you have remnants of the empire that are still there and then you have these space cops they see these people flying around in x-wings which would have been the rebels or now the new republic policing the area and kind of certain places seem to be like no man's land 
So maybe that's why they're reintroducing this spice trade because the previous authority is no longer there. So everything's kind of being rebooted. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're having to start over. And so people are just getting in where you fit in. Uh, that's what I felt with Bubba Fett. He was always a bounty hunter. And then he finds himself, he survived the Salak Fed, he comes out, he has to basically start over again and rebuild his reputation. Uh, he gets, he has to re-get his armor because his armor was gone, they, the, the job was stolen off of him. And then he tries to establish himself basically as a new crime boss. He's very much a fish out of water. He's <laughs> been languishing for however long he was in the Sarlacc pit recovering with the, uh, the sand people out in the desert. Uh, he has a connection with them and he has a found family there. And mm -hmm. then the Pike, like I said, who are reintroducing the, the spice trade basically disrupt the new life he tried to build for himself and that kind of what sets him on his trajectory to take the mantle that was previously filled by Jabba the Hutt because um, that was the most interesting part of that show to me is when he was with the, the Sand People with the, with the Tuscan Raiders mm -hmm. uh, you know the people that beat up Luke basically in the first movie have the gaffy stick that ride the big uh, Banthas, the elephant-looking creatures with the, the ram's horns on their head. Yeah. They didn't really speak. They honk. <laughs> Those people. Yeah, he had basically had a new life that he was about to start, and then the drug trade came and messed that up. They, like, <laughs> the Nikto gang and the new drug trade with the, the Pike reestablishing the spice trade on Tatooine basically took out his newfound family, which led him... So, again... Even in the newer stories, um, we see that the spice trade is having a heavy effect on the, the, the plot. Um, so that's kind of interesting, I think. That is interesting. Um, I I like that the spice trade already existed, you know, as like, like, I like that that was like a strong, like, thought to base kind of the foundation of like how this world is going to function. Because, you know, just listening to you talk about, this is why I asked, like, what is the societal structure? Because it sounds like, you know, and I, I hear from you that it has evolved, that um, this spice trade, in the way that it functions, sounds like this is like the, the land is very lawless, you know, kind of like a fallout kind of, you know, world functioning system. So, yeah, I was just, I was like, you know, how how much of a role is this drug trade playing in the world um you know like what kind of drugs is it you know so uh and and that makes sense like what you were saying about like the drugs giving you the ability to like read people's minds and like kind of fly uh so like the people who would buy it can have you know especially people in like the lower rungs of society so they can have some sense of like freedom and control um you know over who they're talking to or who how they're maneuvering to maybe try to get out um or just get or just survive you know yeah yeah or you'd be a man that's trying to negotiate with somebody if i already know what your your points are going to be yeah you know, as you utter my i could see your thoughts and just manipulate things to make it seem like the ideas were coming from you and actually i already know what you're thinking it's kind of Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I know I need to watch more things for sure, but I'm I'm interested in like 
what like the types of people on both sides of the force you know how they've interacted with this spice trade um like if they you know if they're good people you know i guess the people on the more positive side of the force um you know how they've had to interact um and navigate this mob world like i know han solo you know he had his thing you know but he and i guess he's kind of uh an outlier kind of he's a gray area character yeah yeah he's always in he's always he's he's the roguish smuggler that ends up having a heart in the end but he you know he wants to be for himself and just about getting that bag and that's all he really cares about which is why him and uh leia kind of butted heads initially because she was for the cause and he was for the loop mm-hmm. and she didn't like that and even i think chewy um was kind of influencing him in that matter because he wanted to join the rebellion as well because he had more of a reason yeah, honestly mm-hmm. uh aside from the corruption and stuff the the, the, the wookies being enslaved he, he was down for the cause from day one and so you can say he, you know when han's getting ready to leave he wants to go fight when everybody's getting ready to go make that initial death star run mm-hmm. uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and continue this mm-hmm. we'll be right back mm-hmm. in a second and welcome back to second half of the scary cast my name is rod van blake and i'm joined once again by jocelyn shore Hello. We are continuing our talk about the dope game in Star Wars. And uh, you were talking about you wanted to know how this kind of referenced the people on the opposite ends of the force. And I think a lot of people would think that these most recent stories are interesting because uh, it's really only force adjacent type of stuff now. Because we're not dealing with the Jedi and Sith the entire time. And there are some that feel like we need the Jedi more in those stories. And some are like, no, that's all we ever get. Let's do something different. And the only one that's really gotten that right, I think, is the Mandalorian uh, thus far, where we get sprinkles of it, but it's not the mainstay of the storytelling. Um, And I do think it's interesting that they're bringing the spice trade back into it with the pike, um, messing up Boba Fett's thing, going on Tatooine. And they kind of intermingled the Book of Boba with the Mandalorian as he showed up, you know, towards the end of the last season. And really kind of, I don't know if it necessarily saved the series, because I think it's kind of sad that the most interesting thing in your series is a character from another series coming in. And that's (laughs) kind of what it was. It was like, Book of Boba was really, really good starting out when they were having him with his found family. When he ran into the Tusken Raiders, he reestablished himself. Then things took a hard turn. It just got boring of him acting not like himself to me. Gotcha. Um, the character was no longer the same character that I knew. And I understand that, that people can grow and change and evolve, but it was just at, at certain points, it's like, well, this is no longer the same character and things drag and things jump back up when they infuse Mando in there. 
you can you can definitely tell in shows you know or just any kind of creative storytelling when a character has growth versus they're retconning a bunch of stuff so <laughs> like you you can tell when there's a journey of you know progress for a character so that's unfortunate it's unfortunate that you know that's how that went for him yeah i mean but it'll, it'll still be interesting to see when they you know the, the pike are there we've got them set up on tatooine so they've got a conflict set up between the pike uh boba fett on tatooine we're reintroducing the mando so once again this is going to come into play i just don't know how it's going to come into play um gotcha. whether they're going to start redistributing spice in that territory and whether that's going to start nudging things along in other parts of the story yeah. it'll be interesting to see where this crosses over because in the books and even in, in the previous older movies um this was kind of just an undercurrent a layer that was within the story that like i said i've really not mm-hmm. seen anybody else talk about how significant it really was to the the plot plot points gotcha i'm i'm interested because like you said that there are people who mm-hmm. i i guess people have been vocal about feeling like they don't want the real world in their stories um so like who's saying that like why are they saying that about like these recent shows have they i'm sure they've said it about like previous movies but like you know and you're, and i'm also interested in i guess people talking about they don't want so much jedi sith stuff in their new star wars content so like um, yeah, who who is saying that? And like, what exactly are they saying? Why? Like, what parts of this Star Wars universe that as it exists now are people feeling like this is too much like real life or something? Well, I think a lot of it comes from people not wanting political themes in the stories of their fiction. So with this, it would be you got to figure like the original Star Wars came out in '77. Um, these books were written in that I'm talking about. The Han Solo trilogy was in '97. Shadow of the Empire was written in '97. So, from the late '70s to the '80s and '90s, there were currents of this within our own society, but no one really looks at it that way because it's not emphasized. And probably because we don't have the we didn't have the advent of social media as prevalent as it is now for people to be vocal. There may be people that did think that way back then. But, but you just didn't hear them. <laughs> exactly, because their reach was kind of limited. Where now everybody can hop online and complain uh, about political things within um, their fiction and people changing. They like two lines. People didn't want things to change, and some people were happy to have things change. So it comes to <laughs> diversity, things of that nature. So basically, we had. We have these things that are kind of the same that are layered in there, but you had Finn, um, you had a, a female protagonist in Ray, um, you had Rose Tika in there, and some people were complaining about them as characters. Some people on the opposite end of the spectrum were kind of sick of the Skywalker family because the original trilogy is basically all about that one family and, right. and their various offshoots. So uh, it's, a, it's a lot. Um, I, I am a proponent of as long as the story's done well, I don't, I don't, I don't care. 
Yeah. If you want the whole thing female-led, I'm fine with that. If you want the whole thing LGBTQ-led, I'm fine with that. But let the story be done well. Mm-hmm. And let someone in that writer's room be a member of those demographics so that we know that that story is true to what their experience would be in this fictional context. That's yeah. my only thing. Some people, I've had discussions where people thought that I was against it. And I'm like, no, I'm just against you waiting on the big two to do it. Um, mm-hmm. These bigger companies that have a bad track record of doing it well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. It's nothing wrong with you wanting them to, to explore those stories. But I think when you depend on them for those stories, it's setting us up for failure because inevitably, more times than not, you're going to be dis- disappointed with the outcome. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can hit the lottery every once in a while. There'll be one that comes out that's really, really good. But for the most part, it, it's a money grab. I think Finn, mm-hmm. to me, was a big disappointment. In I mean, as we know now, it was disappointing all around. You know, like just to have the that possibility of him going from stormtrooper to jedi, jedi. Dang, yeah dangled in front of everybody including him was just such a letdown and really disappointing and you know like um and he said he's not working with them again you know because yeah. it's like you did that and i can't have that ever again like you know like everybody felt it to be used you know almost yeah, like that far in you know like he's in the movie like he's got a prominent role but even that far in to still be used as a marketing prop like that is so hurtful <laughs> so that's really frustrating <laughs> yeah and he wasn't even that unique within the lord that they set up because uh did you see the sequel trilogy all three did you see seven eight and nine yeah okay did you realize that they introduced another black um, stormtrooper for the New Order who went against the New Order and then became a regular person to fight against with the Resistance? Who was it? Jenna. Oh, okay. The female, the the, yes. the black okay. young black woman who yes. who they're this alluding woman. to being Lando Calrissian's daughter. That's what yeah. they're trying to. That's hint what at. I thought. I just had to make sure. That's what I thought. Yeah. But her, her story is nearly identical to Finn's when, you know, she's like, well, I was once a stormtrooper and I defected. And now I was like, so like his story is not even unique to him. We found another Finn basically within the same trilogy of films because they were setting this up as this was the new triumvirate. And sadly, we lost uh, Carrie Fisher and you have Mark Hamill and, you know, um, Harrison Ford as the old triumvirate. This right. was supposed to be them like basically passing the torch to the next set of heroes. And it just it was kind of all hodgepodge and all over the place. It was. It sounds like uh, you know, and I don't know this for sure, but it, it sounds like like the writers changed hands probably several times. Oh, they did. Okay. Okay. Uh, like- Ryan Johnson I think The Force Awakens had had potential if they would have finished that off right. And then the middle movie of that trilogy, Ryan Johnson, basically, they set him up for Aliyu and he just blocked his own shot. He All the stuff you set up, he's like, get that out of here. I'm going to do my own thing. 
And so then you have J.J. Uh, Abrams trying to come in and fix that in the end cap of that trilogy. And it just, it wasn't cohesive. Uh, off topic, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with the DCU now because they're trying to, that's what he says he's trying to do. He's going to make it all cohesive, one things that fall in line with the other. And with Star Wars, it was the complete opposite. It was just all over the place with those three films. And they had some things that were cool and enjoyable, um, but I think the stuff that wasn't detracted too much for everybody to fully embrace. So it's really, if you talk, if, if you could get together with the Star Wars community as a whole, it's kind of a divisive thing. It's like some people, like I embrace everything that is Star Wars and some people's like, I only like this trilogy and I only like that trilogy. And it's kind of all weird. But I do think it's interesting. Some of these recurring themes are coming back into the TV series, which kind of, you know, throws a hand back to some of the old stuff and kind of reels it back in. Like, yes, this still, this still is kind of still related. We're gonna, we're gonna keep this thing going. We'll see what they do. I, I'm interested. See, now I gotta go and watch all these shows now because, <laughs> like, it just sounds like there's, <clears throat> you know. Uh, there's, it sounds like there's such a strong foundation with like this system of like how this world functions. Um, like I, you know, cause I watched episode four kind of recently, like in the past recent years, three years or so for the first time. Um, and like, I watched that and I was like, oh my gosh, I get it. Like I get what they're chasing after. Like at least when I watched the like the the most recent trilogy like mm -hmm. i was like okay i i see what all these other movies like subsequent movies have been chasing after i was like okay like there was stakes there there was um uh just like the action and adventure was on point like it, the movie was moving people like important people were dying like people you cared about were dying yeah, um cool. you know and it 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 just felt intense like luke's aunt and uncle exploded like they, it, it wasn't that they just died it was yeah, like yeah. they were obliterated <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're, they're burning corpses outside the farm sitting there it was so like that just blew my mind i was like they're gone like there's not even skeletons left like they're they're so they're just like off out of existence completely like i've never seen a better or villain origin story than that like lord um and so wa watching that i was like oh okay i get it this is what they're trying to replicate this is what they're trying to like do again and i'm like you can't do this again like <laughs> or at least not that exact same way so you have to it, you know, I was just like, it, it just was like, okay, I understand. I really get it. Um, so I'm just, and, and then to hear you talk about the spice trade that is the, the strong undercurrent of it all. Um, I'm interested, do they talk about who makes the drugs? Like, who in the books them? they do, okay. and you, you see it kind of hinted at in some of the films, like, and like I said, in, in the solo movie they go to Kessel and that's where we're kind of newly introduced to the fact that are now the new custodians of the spice trade um but the the other thing that's kind of interesting is I don't know how dark they will go 
now that it's owned by Disney, do we ever start dealing with, hate to say it, but like some type of addiction? Somebody gonna get strung out on spice? Um, you know what I mean? Because uh, that's it's owned and primarily for children. And I know there's supposed to be a different way that you can split your Disney Plus so that you can have just the kids' content and then have the adult content that maybe you need like some extra credentials or something, some verification to log in. Um, so they're slowly starting to introduce other things on the channel, like Werewolf by Night was a horror story on Disney Plus, but it was still couched in a way that made it more palatable because it's all in black and white until the very end. So you don't really see blood. You might see splashes of black on the screen, which kind of softens the blow a little bit, I think. Um, but there's no real visceral action. I was surprised when I watched The Mandalorian, they did show like when he gets a hold of the dark saber and starts cutting the dude in half, that he actually cuts him in half. Like I feel like they should because I feel like that is true to the Star Wars universe. Like the first movie to me was kind of brutal. Like and you were and that that was another thing that like shocked me. I was yeah. like, okay, you're seeing real blood. All right. You're seeing, you know, like at the end of episode four and you're seeing them, you know, all those like ships speed through that thing and they're getting blown up and you, you, you see them and like, they're like actually dead, um, you know, and I guess, you know, when I see movies, TV shows um, that have kind of magical kind of things that you fight with, one of my gripes with them is like when they're fighting, you don't see you just you hear sounds that don't sound that impactful and you don't see people actually getting hurt you don't see the blood but you don't see the real effect of this thing so it doesn't feel that impactful it doesn't feel like it's actually hurting and i'm yeah. like no i kind of need to see that i need to see if this lightsaber like i need to see the people bleeding out <laughs> if that's what you're using like the laser guns that they have i hate when people use laser things in stuff and they just have the sound but you don't see a hole in somebody from getting shot with this laser gun and i'm yeah, like you want to see the grit yeah <laughs> i'm like Funny. i don't want to see you get shot and then you just blast back and then get back up i'm like well is it like is it powerful or not so that's that kind of that kind of to me is the function of the stormtrooper and, and why you see a lot of these shows with these faceless enemies because that kind of dehumanizes them they all look the same they look like robots even though they're not and we can just blow them up a thousand times and it lets us use the same actors because you don't know who is actually behind the mask and i get that i get that but to me it's not impactful to me it's like watching king just like watching kingdom hearts i i don't know if you ever played kingdom hearts or <laughs> have seen anything about it but um you know uh it's not meant to be super brutal you know because it's it's mainly a kids focused thing and they fight with these giant keyblades yeah. um, but my whole gripe with it is like is it hurting or not <laughs> Because I'm like, it's a keyblade, but like the edges are kind of blunt. And then like the sounds it makes sound squishy. And mm. then the things that they're hitting just kind of disappear. And I'm like, okay, fine, fine. What is painful? What's not? What are <laughs> what are the power levels here? You know, uh, so what? Yeah, I'm always like, who's getting hurt? What is the pain? Like, 
what are the stakes? That's I guess that's that's my main question behind it all. What are the stakes when you use these things, you know, and when you're using blasters for these faceless stormtroopers or faceless anybody in anything? I'm like, okay, but what are the stakes? Yeah. Why do I care <laughs> about this person getting bopped up or this many people? Why does it matter? Um, so, yeah, I don't know how, how deep and dirty they're going to get or how gritty we're going to get and if they're going to delve more into how the spice trade is kind of affecting the rest of the universe. I, I think we're mainly going to stick to, I think it's still just going to be an undertone going forward. But again, it's going to be a, a plot device to move things along because that's what it's been previously. Like, if Han Solo isn't running spice prior to the original trilogy, then he doesn't end up running into uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke at most Eisley on Tatooine because he's, you know, doing other things. But that was the reason that he ended up where he was. So kind of being integral, um, the spice in general, uh, where it's held, Kessel, this mining facility, uh, the mall, which is a series, a cluster of black holes where other military installations were there by the Empire hiding this technology that they were kind of hoarding and amassing in this. So you couldn't just fly directly into it. It was supposed to be so complicated to navigate the black holes that you would run the risk of killing yourself trying to get there. So they had this other facility called the Mall where they were hiding technology, which is also next to the Kessel Mining Facility with the Spice. Um, but as far as going down to the street level and seeing someone I hate to say it may be strung out on spice, but that could be a real story. Yeah. Maybe we can have someone who's kind of an anti-hero that's under the influence of spice and kind of strung out on it and he's addicted to the power that he has from it and he kind of navigates the universe. Maybe I know they won't go there, but I'm just saying it's a possibility. They could. I mean they could, because like uh, is Deadpool on Disney Plus now? Yes, I think it, yeah, yeah, I think that's part of the adult section because yeah, those are films. I have faith, you know, I and I, I know that like some of the Marvel shows um still have some trouble with showing like full brutality. Uh yeah. you know, which whatever. But I I think I think for something that is like where it's kind of true to that series you know yeah. like star wars kind of does it's always kind of had brutality in it to some degree that is critical yeah. um to to showing stakes um like it's not a foreign concept here so i think it's you can count on it more being in it like i i think you might have less to worry about maybe with this uh, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure they can do it. My my only worry is, will they? That's always been my thing with Disney, because I'm like, are they going to put kids' gloves on all the things? Because everybody's happy to be picked up by Marvel slash Disney because they've got a huge budget, and you know you're going to have a lot of marketing behind you. My thing is, if they get a whole... Yeah, you might have a huge budget now, and everybody's going to have a lot of eyes on, but will they basically new to your content by having to dumb it down so that they can make it more palatable for a wider audience. If you have content that say has a lot of violence in it and it's more catered to an adult crowd and not a kid's crowd, then they're going to be like, well, 
a vast majority of our viewers are kids because a lot of our content caters to that. So if you want to be on this station or this streaming service, we may have to tweak things. That's the only, when, when they initially announced that they were buying it, that was my biggest worry. I, no, I, I totally get it. That said, like I said, I, I think there is Star Wars content across the board. So like, I think, you know, we definitely have Star Wars shows that are like animated, you know, that were 3D, that were like specifically meant for kids. And then we yeah. have films, you know, that are darker, that have more violence that, you know, shows the violence, um, you know, so I definitely, and I, I you know, again that was of course that was pre the disney buyout for sure but um i i hope so i you know i'm with you i i hope i hope we can see it um and it doesn't get dumbed down because it it takes away the impact not just because people want to see violence for violence sake but violence you know is supposed to mean stakes so yeah Andor was surprisingly well done. I don't know. Have you watched that yet? Mm-mm. I haven't seen any of the Star Wars <laughs> live action shows that have okay. come on. Andor was surprisingly well done. I was worried because it was kind of Star Wars adjacent um, at first. The first three episodes of that series was the most, to me, non-Star Wars, Star Wars thing out there because it was almost openly generic at first. The first three was really slow. Um, but the story was good, I believe. The cinematography was awesome. Uh, the action when you got it was good. But the first three episodes was just kind of, it could be any setting in any science fiction world. It wasn't explicitly Star Wars until they started slowly dropping things that were just visibly visible cues that you knew you were in a Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did it, they had some violence in there because Andor, uh, He's kind of a shady character, but he's he's the character that they need. And I think uh, one of the other characters recognizes that, that this is a, a shady being and we kind of need a smart, shady dude that does what's necessary when the time comes for us to get this movement going to try and get back to the Empire. Um, so they did show that they wouldn't really pull punches with that one. And I think a lot of people slept on that series. Um, initially because it did not do well numbers wise but I think for the people that saw it for the most part it was well received um, we'll see what they do going forward that show is supposed to get a second season I believe as well um, but we shall see we'll see if some of these other themes will rear their heads again and whether they'll become prevalent or whether they just continue to be underlying things which is fine if it's still an underlying theme I just thought this would be an interesting topic to discuss um, I appreciate you for taking the time out of your day to listen and kind of talk about these things. I see someone's been on uh, the live here for the whole time. I appreciate you, whoever you are uh, watching out there. Um, I'll have a link, like I said, to Jocelyn's website as well as to my website if you want to uh, check out our creative endeavors. Uh, And of course, the audio will be uploaded to Anchor and Anchor will output it to Google Play uh, iTunes, Spotify, and a bunch of other places where you can listen to podcasts. And we will talk to you all sometime later. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me on. Truly. Appreciate I've, I've learned a lot. <laughs> oh, cool. I'm good. I'm glad. Talk to y'all soon. Peace.